Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys toward wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s, and Erica went through a sustained weight loss and self-love journey, we created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are now certified integrative nutrition health coaches, and together with our community, we are learning to live our best lives by telling one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys, and by talking about them and sharing personal stories of real people, we aim to destigmatize the process. Join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness. This week on the podcast, we sit down with wellness influencer, recipe developer, health coach, and friend, Alicia Pope. Alicia is the director of events at Hello Wellness, a media and lifestyle brand that hosts incredible wellness events throughout the country. She also runs her own successful blog and Instagram page, Purely Pope. Purely Pope delivers delicious and healthy recipes and tools for your own wellness journey. On this episode, we discuss Alicia's personal journey to wellness and how she gained the courage to start her blog and Instagram page. We also discuss the F-Factor Diet, a program that focuses on fiber and net carbs to lose or maintain weight. We talk alcohol and the importance of finding a grounding daily practice. Alicia is a bright light in the wellness space, and we can't wait for you to hear this conversation. Enjoy. episode is brought to you by Beekeepers Naturals. If you listen to our episode with founder Carly Stein, then you already know how powerful Beekeepers Naturals products are. Beekeepers Naturals is a wellness company specializing in innovative nutraceuticals made from healing hive compounds and plant-based ingredients. Their mission is to improve people's health naturally and save the bees. Allie and I are absolutely obsessed with these products and I've been using them consistently since December when Carly was on the podcast. So Allie, what is your favorite Beekeepers Naturals product? I love the Propolis Throat Spray. I've used it consistently through the year and it's been my immune system's secret weapon, which makes sense since Propolis is basically the immune system of the beehive and has germ-fighting properties. What about you? I love the Propolis too, especially as somebody who always had strep throat and throat infections. It has seriously changed my entire life. (laughs) But with that said, my favorite product is the Bee Chill Hemp Honey. Bee Chill Hemp Honey delivers a powerful 28 milligrams of hemp oil per teaspoon so that you can find your bliss. Made with USA-grown hemp, it is non-psychoactive and contains 0% THC. I sleep like a baby when I take it before bed, and it seriously takes the edge off of my whole day. It also hits the spot when I am craving something sweet after dinner, which is just an added bonus. If you want to try the Propolis or the Beechel Hemp Honey or any of the other amazing products, you can receive 15% off your Beekeepers Naturals order by using the code COURAGEOUSWELLNESS, all one word, at checkout. Or visit beekeepersnaturals.com slash courageouswellness. And you can also find the direct link in our show notes. We have an exciting new discount for our listeners with Four Sigmatic. 
Four Sigmatic offers superfood coffee and elixirs to upgrade your daily routine. The powerful antioxidants, antiviral effects, and immune-boosting properties of mushrooms transform your cup of joe from an energy-boosting treat to a health-enhancing choice. Along with mushroom coffee, Four Sigmatic also offers mushroom elixirs, mushroom hot cocos, and other shroom-filled products. Erica uses the lion's mane in her morning superfood coffee, and even though I hate mushrooms, I absolutely love the products, especially the matcha latte powder, which contains myataki mushrooms and adaptogens. For 10% off Four Sigmatic products, visit foursigmatic.com and use the code COURAGEOUS at checkout, and there's also a direct link in our show notes. Welcome, Alicia. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. We are such big fans of you as a person and your brand, and we can't wait to talk to you about so much good stuff today. So just to jump right in, how did you get into this wellness world? What is your wellness journey? So it's a little bit, it goes back a while. I would say that, you know, my, my mom, I was lucky to, since I was probably in like high school, she was very health focused. So that's something that was always kind of at the forefront of my mind. But then really in college, as most people do, I kind of got a little bit off track where it's like, oh, there's the ice cream machine in the dining hall (laughs) and just drinking and it really just kind of got away from wellness and it really got into me to kind of being almost more of a people pleaser where it was like, oh, I need to be the fun girl. I need to go out and I need to have fun. And I, I wasn't putting myself first. I was putting pleasing other people first. So really after I graduated college is when I kind of made that shift back to just making myself a priority, I would say. So like I said, I always kind of had those principles, but it just became more and more prevalent as I got into like probably my mid 20s because I was still kind of always in that people pleaser phase, even right out of college, you know, just going out a lot, drinking a lot, all of that. And same thing when I moved back to Chicago, but then eventually I had almost like this revelation and it wasn't necessarily anything specific that happened, but more so just like a shift within myself where I said, okay, like I, it feels really good when I'm eating well, it feels really good when I am moving my body. So, and that's just, I just started putting myself first and started saying no to things that didn't serve me too. So that was kind of part of it. And Really how I started the brand of Purely Pope is because I um, I met my boyfriend, Nick, and actually funny enough is that I met him when I was just so 100% content with myself. I was content saying no to things that didn't serve me. I was fueling myself with good food, moving my body all the time, and I 100% like didn't need him. And I feel like that's a hun- that's when you find people that you love. So he actually is the one that encouraged me to have my blog because he said, you know, people always look to you to um, my friends would always text me and ask for, give me a workout routine. I want to work out abs. And obviously I'm not like a personal trainer or anything like that, but then they would also ask me, you know, what are you making for meals this week? What's your healthy lunches? And so I decided to really just put that out into the universe. So that's kind of my wellness journey. That's how it started. Yeah. I'm curious, you're talking about the shift from being a people pleaser and putting other people or your, you know, perception of what other people wanted first prior to you and that it was a gradual shift. 
do you find that, um, and that like there wasn't one particular moment, but as you started to value yourself more, that became easier. Do you now, you know, years into this, do you still feel yourself ever wanting to resort to that? And if so, do you have like, a certain tool that you use to sort of keep that in check for yourself? Yeah, I, I do. I think it's just kind of something that's always ingrained in you almost a little bit. If you are a people pleaser and you are a yes person. And I have noticed sometimes like I've been invited to go um, on trips or something like that, like with my girlfriends. And I really have to think and say, okay, is this something that I want to do? Is it something that's going to serve me when I'm there actually with in this environment, is it going to be something that I'm going to be happy with or is it going to give me anxiety? So really before I'm making decisions too, I think that that's something that's a really good tip is before you are making a decision, like kind of going through, like what does your gut say? Number one, does your gut say yes or does your gut say no? Because I think that our intuition is always, you know, telling us at the back of our mind somewhere what is good or not for us. And also just looking at, you know, if you do say no, is that going to harm your relationship with that person? Because if it does, then they probably aren't the best person to have in your life. So I think it's really hard because you do kind of have to take a step back and see really where the intention is coming from, you know? So you just have to really listen to yourself. Yeah, I can relate so much to all of that. I'm a recovering people pleaser and learning to say no really changed my life. And it did change a lot of relationships, like you're saying, actually. But the people who really loved me and were supposed to be in my life, you know, if it's kind of like if you start taking care of yourself and people don't want to be around for that, then they're not your people. So I think I'm sure a lot of us have to learn that, you know, at different phases of our life. But, you know, something too that I really admire about you is you seem to have such a great relationship with, you know, food and you seem and, and movement, right? Like you talked about, you found like what works for you. You're that girl that your friends go to and they're like, what do I eat for lunch today? Or how can I move my body today? How did you figure out what eating patterns and maybe even movement patterns really served you? Because I think it can be really intimidating and there's so much out there, right? Like Whole30, Keto, Paleo. How do you find what works for you and how did you do that? So I think we're really lucky because in the day and age that we live in today, there's so many podcasts and there is so much information, but like you mentioned, it can be kind of intimidating. But what I did is I, I actually, I found out about Kelly Levesque, Be Well by Kelly, and she is really someone who changed my perception on food. Like I used to be in that section where I'd say, okay, just cause this is like whole grain bread and not to say the whole grain bread isn't healthy, then like it's good for you. But just looking at what needs to be composed on your plate and it, something clicked for me after I read body love and that like really made sense in my brain. And I was like, oh, okay, protein, fat, and fiber at every meal. And then I also found out about F-Factor, which is um, Tanya Zuckerbot founded that. And it was just all about at what to add into your diet. So I luckily enough never had like a quote unquote bad relationship with food. So I saw food as a tool and I've always kind of thought of it as fuel for my body. So really the, to answer that, it's just it was listening to podcasts and I discovered those people and I discovered kind of something that worked for me. So I almost blended those two like theories into what really did work for me. 
That's interesting. Side note, it's it's so funny that you're um you were so inspired by body love because we've shared this maybe once on the podcast in the early days, but Erica and I sort of credit that book as the reason ultimately that we connected and created ultimately created the podcast from yeah basically it's so interesting because I know sometimes people want more like wellness friends or more of a wellness community and when I, I think both of us when I got into this wellness world none of my friends were really into it just to be honest they're not unhealthy but they have different passions we're in LA they're actors to other things and It was, Allie was in Tokyo and she posted about a Fab Four smoothie and I DM'd her and I was like, you're doing this too? What? And we had both been reading the same book and it really was, that book was the impetus for like a deeper friendship and then the podcast came about. So um, yeah, if anybody should really go check out Body Love because it's changed many a life. Um, But you also mentioned F Factor. And so can you talk about a little bit about what that program is and why it, it can be so beneficial. Because I know it's popping around a lot. I keep seeing it on the internet and so many different people are doing it and having great results with either food freedom or weight loss goals. Um, and it seems kind of great. So maybe you can talk yeah. about what it is exactly. Yeah. So just to preface, I'm not an RD or a dietitian, but I have been practicing F Factor for a long time and use its principles to guide like my food relationship, my approach to food. Um, so the founder is Tanya Zuckerbrot and she actually, she is a registered dietitian. She has a master's in nutrition as well, um, from New York university. And she is just so smart when it comes to the science behind food. So basically F factor, the reason why I like it is because number one, it focuses on what add, what to add into your diet. Like she says from day one, you can one dine out, you can drink alcohol and you can eat carbs. So that's (laughs) what's not to love. Right. Yeah. So. So basically the whole principle is that a lot of Americans are deficient in fiber. So most Americans are getting around 15 grams of fiber a day when really what we need to get is anywhere from 25 to 36 grams. And so a lot of times diets may say like no carbohydrates or low carb or whatever. And she doesn't say that. What she does is that within the diet, there's three steps. There's step one, step two, and step three. Step one, um, all of those steps. Step one is quote unquote for, um, weight loss and step two is for weight maintenance. And then step three, I think is like a little bit beyond weight maintenance or even maybe like a little bit of gain if you need to do that. But the whole concept and like it, it is designed to not allow you to over consume carbohydrates. So basically it nets, what you're supposed to do is stay under 35 grams of net carbs a day. And so what a net carb is for anyone that's listening is that if you're looking at a nutrition label, you'll see, say it says 10 grams of carbohydrates underneath that. It's going to say the amount of grams of fiber. So say if it says five grams of fiber, the net carbs is that 10 minus the five, because fiber is the indigestible part of the carbohydrate. So your body has to work really hard to digest or to digest that essentially. So basically you don't want to overfill your glycogen stores. So that net carb count of the 35 grams of net carbs a day on step one is so that you don't over exceed those glycogen stores because that's where your carbohydrates get stored. And if you over exceed those, that's going to turn to fat. So 
she created it so that you're not not getting enough energy, but that 35 grams of net carbs a day is how much energy you need. Mm -hmm. So she just doesn't want you to over consume or overindulge. So, and there is also, um, it, it's not a low fat diet either. It basically just tells you because healthy fats are amazing. But what she says is that you can have on step one, three fat exchanges a day, which is about one, one tablespoon of fat is one fat exchange is what she says. So that's at least like one tablespoon of healthy fat per meal. So I typically, my approach to it, just because I've read Body Love as well and Kelly the Vex Fab 4, is that I will typically include like two tablespoons of healthy fat at every meal. But it is something that I'm just cognizant of because if you are looking at from like a calorie perspective, then that is something that you should be cautious of. Mm. That's, thank you for breaking that down. I think that's helpful for the listeners in a very like ingestible way. Um, And it's interesting talking about you know, macronutrients in this way. I think sometimes we, you know, with, with a diet culture, we get into this like sort of how many carbs, how much fat, what's good, what's bad, this sort of like conflict thing, you know, is counting something that's sort of, and, and I was going to say is counting something that's sort of, um, can lead to unhealthy patterns of behavior, which I think, for some, I think it depends on the individual for sure, but I like the idea that it's, she gives a why behind that or in the way that you explained that even just like culturally Americans based on just the standard American diet, you know, are, are nutrient deficient in some ways and how to add that back in. So it's not just about, oh, carbs are bad. Carbs aren't bad necessarily. It's just about, are we getting what a human being needs to ultimately thrive and our standard American diet for many years now has been imbalanced. So thank you. I think for explaining that because I think it's a perspective on using numbers or using sort of a system, but in a way that like you understand is because we've been set up in a system that isn't really in our best interest. Yeah. And kind of going off of that too, is that one of the things I didn't mention is that non-starchy vegetables are a quote unquote like free food on F factor. So that's something that I really like because that's your leafy greens. That's your broccoli. That's your cucumber. That's your celery. Like it's a lot of veggies, you know, zucchini, whatever. So she wants you to fill up on those things, you know, because that's another thing that she always says that you should be cognizant of protein portions. I, I will be cautious when I say this, but a lot of people are so focused on protein and never ever like very rarely do doctors say you're deficient in protein, right? You know, so women really only need four to six grams of protein per meal. And that's your average woman. Like if you're having a super intense workout routine, something like that. So it's something that she just asked you to be mindful of because the thing is with the standard American diet, when you're going out to eat, you could be served like a 10 ounce piece of fish, right? You know, that could serve like three people. So usually I do. That's something that I'm cognizant of too. And it's just the more that I've eaten this way, the more that I do, I really get filled off of those like fibrous veggies and nutrients that I'm getting. Right. Do you ever find now that you still are cognizant of counting, not maybe not counting is the right word, but yeah, if you're doing math essentially with with just even say like, oh, this net carbs, or do you 
have you gotten to a point where you sort of are so used to it that it's become a lifestyle for you? Yeah. So that's actually a really good question. So one of the things is, like you said, it really depends on the person. I would not recommend F factor for anyone that has had any sort of like eating disorder or a bad relationship with food. Because the thing is, is that, and I've actually had a health coaching client that I recommended to get off of F factor because it was so obsessive over some things. And I'm like, you just need to focus on real food and adding real foods to your diet. So I don't think that it's right for everyone. That's one thing. I think that you have to figure out what's right for you. Where I'm at today, I don't journal. She does have an app where you can, you know, log everything, journal everything. I don't do that. I've also moved a lot more to a plant-based diet, which I still do. I'm cognizant of eating like the F factor way in that, but I really just focus on like the real food. So majority of my diet is vegetables. So, you know, I'm not necessarily super cognizant of that. So yeah, it's like, I do, do I look at when I'm eating anything packaged? I always look at that. I look at the carbs and I look at the fiber, but I also look at the ingredients in it, you know? So I want to make sure that it's kind of all of those things that it's, it's giving me that the good macros, but it's also giving me real good food. Yeah, I think this is it's so interesting too, right? Because a lot of times um, people will do programs right for weight loss and wanting to lose weight and wanting to change your body is not necessarily bad, right? Like there is this whole darkness of diet culture. And but I think the why behind it is really important. It's like, why do you want to maybe lose weight? And I think a lot of times the obsessiveness can come from at least, you know, for me, I have a 50 pound weight loss journey. And for me, why I was never successful or when I would become obsessive about focusing on my weight, it was always around when I um, lose the weight, I will be X, Y, Z, right? Happy in the relationship, in the whatever. And that's just not true. (laughs) It's just not true. When I finally was able to release that, that's I ended up losing 50 pounds without really trying. Um, And so I think this kind of leads me to, you did a beautiful post recently about, you know, loving your body and learning to love your body and not feeling like you had the body of a wellness influencer, especially when you began. And so how, what was your journey into your own body love? You know, because I think that's, that's such an important part of whatever program anybody decides to do. And I know January is such a loaded month where maybe more than any other time of the year, we're thinking about goals and, and resolutions. So how did you find your happiness with the body that you're in? Yeah. Um, so I mean, and just to refer back to that post, so the audience knows kind of what we're talking about too, is what I said is that I didn't feel like I felt worthy enough to be a quote unquote wellness influencer when I started my account because I didn't have a perfect body. Like I had cellulite. I still have cellulite. Like I think we freaking all have cellulite. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so that was kind of something that I was like, wait, but like, I'm not in this perfect phase of my body, you know? Um, but I think honestly, when I started it, I, I did have that anxiety, you know, and from starting it and from having this community and being very involved and also, I moved to LA during that time. So I've, I've gotten a lot of really great friends and women like such as yourself that surround me that are just such positive influences. And I think just really uplift you. So I think just kind of 
one doing a not a detox per se, but doing like a poll of the people that are surrounding you just to make sure that they're lifting you up as well. But I think that that's really important with who is surrounding you because that is really what got me to the place that I am now. It's like seeing all these amazing women doing all these things and, and accomplishing so much and being so successful and seeing that had really inspired me. Um, and I think that that's part of it. And I think just the more that we talk about those vulnerabilities and the more that we say like, Hey, I have cellulite. Like I'm not fucking perfect. Sorry if I'm not allowed to swear. No, you are. (laughs) But I think that just owning up to those things is really important. And just going back to your actual question about like where I think that you really do have to always come from a place of love. And that's where it's just, you have to love yourself and put yourself first. So I think it's just being really in tune with yourself and, and seeing what does serve you and what doesn't. What do you do when you have days where that gets hard? So I will call like phone a friend. (laughs) I'll call my mom a lot because she makes me feel a lot better. Um, Sometimes I will journal. I think my morning routine is really good because I went through a period too where I was feeling like really down on myself or I was feeling really stressed and I could feel it in my body. And when I started implementing my morning routine, that really helped me and also helped me put things in perspective. So I do a five minute journal every morning. I'm sure a lot of people know about it, but if not, it's from this company called the intelligent change. And I write down three things that I'm grateful for, three things that would make the day great. And then you write like a daily affirmation. So doing that has really helped me so that I don't necessarily have those moments. But of course, like I'm human, but that's something that really helps me every day. But if I don't do that on a day, I find myself getting to that place and kind of like beating myself up. So focusing on what I'm grateful for, because that also doesn't make you feel small, but makes you realize that there's things so much bigger than you, you know what I mean? And so much to like live for and be happy for. Yeah. And, and then also too, the daily affirmation is something that I, that I write down. Like this morning I wrote that I, like you guys know I'm going through a tough time because my aunt passed away, but I wrote, I'm strong. I can get through anything. I'm compassionate and I'll be patient with myself, you know? So just things like that of what you feel like you need to be and writing that down every day has really helped me. I love that. It's interesting. We, you know, we get to interview a lot of people, which is amazing because I feel like I learned something from every interview. But um, one common thing, and, and it looks different for everyone, but one common thing from the people we interview is the idea of having a practice every morning that, you know, you've created your own morning time and these affirmations, but it's this sort of routine or ritual that you do every morning. And it's really interesting how that theme permeates a lot of people in the wellness space, um, successful people in the wellness space, like in their personal lives. It's just something that's really popping out to me. I think it doesn't even have to be like a morning routine, but everybody has a routine. Yeah. Like it's a practice, even if it's in the evening or a daily something, it is this common theme of people who seem to be happy and healthy and living in alignment. Well, and I think a good point to that is having a practice is also having a commitment to yourself. Yes. 
which is yeah. like so important because that's putting yourself first and loving yourself, yeah. you know? So you also coach people now. You're a certified integrative nutrition health coach. <laughs> and so where do you suggest people begin? You know, so this is, I think we're also inundated with so much information. Um, what is a simple step for somebody who's listening who just wants to take one first step? Where Where do you even begin? <laughs> I guess if they're looking to kind of begin on a journey to be more healthier, like, you know, just get into a wellness journey is something that I would say is like developing a morning routine and finding something that works for you. I've found that the journal reading the daily stoic and also meditation has really helped for me a lot. Um, but also too, I would begin to just focus on what to add into your life. Don't focus on what you need to take out of your life and don't focus on like, oh, I can't drink alcohol. I can't eat carbs. Like I can't do this. I can't do that. Like I can't go to social outings, whatever. I think just focusing on like, okay, this week I'm going to eat more greens. You know what I mean? I think just taking it in those smaller steps and just focusing on that addition because we don't need, I think living in abundance and like having that abundance mindset is so important. So I think even just maybe it's something as simple as like focusing on drinking more water or whatever (laughs) it is, or focusing on doing things that you love. Like, you know what I mean? Just focus on something. And I think every individual person is going to be different and they're going to know like what they need more of in their life. Cause I think intuitively sometimes I'm like, okay, I really need more greens this week or like I need to lay off the wine or whatever it might be. But I think intuitively maybe they know like what they need more of. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned something that you you seem to have a great relationship with alcohol as well. And I know in wellness, sometimes alcohol can be really polarizing. Um, But, you know, we love a glass of wine or a cocktail. Um, So how do you balance, right, like your wellness goals with drinking? Because I think that comes up a lot for people where how do I still have that glass of wine with friends or, you know, um, a glass of wine for myself but hit these markers that I want to hit in my wellness journey. Totally. Well, I think number one with everything, quality is really important. Like I actually, I really try to drink just organic wine now because I think there can be a lot of like pesticides on wine. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I've really started to incorporate as of late. I think number two, you should have never judged yourself. Like if you... I want to restart that, but you don't judge yourself, but also know like this week, as I mentioned, my aunt passed away. I haven't let myself drink alcohol because every time it went into my mind, I knew that I was, I wanted that glass of wine because I was feeling grief and I was looking for like comfort in that glass of wine. Mm-hmm. You Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, it's, it's like, it's like if you're doing it just for enjoyment and pleasure and whatever, that's amazing. But I think just like taking a step back again, like I think we can all benefit from moving a little bit slower and, and just pausing for a second to see like before we react to something and, and, and act and just pause and think about where you're coming from with that. 
number one. And then number two, it's just like, don't beat yourself up. It's like, if you're out with girlfriends and you're craving something, you know, have it. And I typically, if I'm, or if I'm going out, I usually stick to clear alcohol. So like tequila or vodka. And I usually say like no added sugar. So I do like no agave. And I'm that psycho that always has like monk fruit packets or stevia (laughs) packets in my, in my pocket to like sweeten something if I need to, you know? Um, but I think that's really important is that just making sure like, are you doing that for enjoyment or are you reaching for it for some other reason? I think that's a really good point. It's interesting. You bring up this concept. I did my first whole 30, gosh, it was like a year and a half ago now. And an interesting thing that I wasn't aware of prior to doing it that came up about two weeks into it where there's no alcohol. You know, we talk about it on the show. There's no alcohol for the month that you do it. And about two weeks in, I'm getting a craving for a drink. Like I want a strong cocktail. And I'm like, okay, well, my body's not really craving the sugar anymore. Like that's out of here because I haven't had sugar or the booze or the sugar from booze in two weeks at this point. So I knew that what my craving was, was an emotional craving, um, for the drink because I had had a long day and I wanted to take the edge off, which there's nothing innately wrong with, but having the consciousness of that's why I wanted the drink. And I had to lean into the feelings I was feeling instead of reaching for the drink was such a remarkable experience to like make myself just sit in that and go through that, which is essentially what you're explaining. Like this week dealing with an added level of grief, you've gotten to the point in your own sort of self-awareness that like, oh, if I'm going to make this choice right now, this is the reason I'm making it. And I would say too, it's amazing to get to that place. If you know that and you still make that choice, it's okay not to beat yourself up about it, but to have this awareness about why we go for that, right? Like it's essentially a self-medication in that moment. And um, I just think that's a really, like it's a life-changing concept because it doesn't mean necessarily like, you know, everybody has a different relationship with alcohol, which is why I think it's a really loaded subject in the wellness world because some people are in recovery and they, you know, it's a different relationship than what we're talking about right now and that's okay. But if you don't innately have like a dependency issue with it, I don't know the way you're speaking. I would still urge people. It's a really interesting exploration, like an experiment to do for yourself. It was pretty life changing for me and my relationship with alcohol by going through that. Yeah. And I even think beyond alcohol, people do this with food, right? Like I'm an emotional eater. So for me, it's never been like, I never have the craving for a drink, but I do have the craving for like all the food and not feeling full. And it's always from an emotional place. So I think this can be applied to anything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that is something that a lot of people, you know, deal. I think everyone probably deals with that on some level. Like obviously some are more extreme than others, but I think everyone kind of has this like emotional dependence, especially just around our culture that we've grown up in. It's like every single like family occasion is like all, all around food. It surrounds food. It surrounds alcohol. You know what I mean? So it's almost like a comforting thing in a way. So I think everyone has that. So it's like, that's normal. But I think like you were mentioning, like having that consciousness, mm-hmm. you know, is is good. It really does change everything. And we're on Whole30 again, and it's my second time and Ali's third time. And even just making a change and breaking habits, it helps you 
get more into your body, you know, when you can't go to food or you can't go to the drink or anything like that. The drink. <laughs> the drink. Um, <laughs> Yes, but you know, too, so as you have been in your journey, you've also created some pretty popular and wonderful recipes. Like you have bagels, you have like <laughs> a factor approved bagels and like all the stuff that you've really created and developed. How did that begin? Is being in the kitchen something you've always enjoyed or was it out of kind of necessity of like, I want to eat real healthy foods, but I also miss bagels. <laughs> yeah, I think a combo of both. So I I think I mentioned my mom was always like pretty healthy growing up. She was always an amazing cook. And she's someone who could literally open up the fridge and I would be like, mom, there's nothing to eat. It looks like mishmash. Like there's nothing in here. And she would whip together this amazing meal. And after every single meal, I'd be like, or say it's like a few days later, I would say, can you make that for me again? She's like, I have no idea what I put into that. So I was like, okay. So I would make her start writing down things that I really, really liked. So that's really where I got my like love for cooking from. She wasn't so much a baker. So I've kind of like started to experiment with that. But I think that it's just so interesting because like I mentioned, my outlook on wellness and everything really is this like area of abundance. I don't think that healthy eating ever needs to be boring. I think that there's a healthy, like bet quote unquote better for you that like is going to love you back alternative to pretty much everything in life. So that's why I think that it, it's just fun. You know, it's like I, I go in and I experiment with stuff and I just like whip stuff together. And then if something works, I'm like, okay. And, and Nick is usually my tester. He's like, wow, this is so good. You need to make that. And coming from a guy that like grew up in Philly eating like cheesesteaks and New York pizza and all this stuff. I'm like, okay, that's a good accomplishment. Yeah, for sure. You have like a little tester for all your recipes. Yeah. What do you think now for purely Pope and this brand that you've sort of organically grown over this journey of your own what is in the cards for you what are your dreams for it sort of next up if you wouldn't mind sharing yeah of course so I am looking to create more like ebooks and like programs for people like you were saying like kind of what is this first step for people so I've really been I've worked been working really hard on an ebook that I'm coming out with that is really going to be I'm still working on the title but I think it's going to be leading with love but just kind of a lot of the conversation that we've been having today it talks about how important like a morning routine is and having like daily movement of some kind like that really agrees with your body cuz like that's one thing that I think that movement is so many people say like, this is best or this is best. And I think whatever's best is what you enjoy and what you're actually going to do. Um, and then it's also like a plant centric. All the recipes are actually going to be plant-based, um, in there. So they're all going to be plant-based, but also like if, if you do follow F factor or anything like that, they all would go within those guidelines as well. Um, so, but it's really just going to focus on that, leading with love and loving yourself and getting in touch with yourself. So that's on the horizon. And then also just really building up like my health coaching and, and helping people. And eventually I want to do like group programs too. So that's really what's on the horizon for, for me, but I'm really excited about it and excited about just like continuing to grow, you know, continuing to put out recipes and all of that good stuff. Do you have a favorite recipe that you've created? I would say, like crowd favorite recipe is definitely my bagels. <laughs> <laughs> 
So that's that's something. Um, I do really like my chocolate chunk almond butter cookies. Ooh. They're really, really good. I'm going to have to make that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, those those are two of my I'm like sweets and bagels, I'm like sweets and carbs. See? We will <laughs> we will have to link them and then try them. I've been it's been on my to do list to make your bagels. So I'm going to I'm going to do it as soon as I'm off Whole30. <laughs> Yeah, and I have a dairy-free version of those now, too. Oh, great. A, because I'm dairy-free, and B, I'm thinking about my own bagel love. I'm a New Yorker, so I I love a good bagel. Yeah. Yeah. You also, um, of course, do great work uh, with Hello Wellness, right, as the director of events. Yeah. And so can you talk a little bit about the importance, too, of community wellness? Because I think that's something that you guys do so well is really bringing people together in such a warm, wonderful way um, to connect on these great wellness topics with other people as opposed to just behind the screen or listening to a podcast. Yeah. So with Hello Wellness, we were so excited about 2020 because we've really kind of taken that turn of everyone is worthy for wellness. And that's really what we're pushing to the forefront of our brand and like what we're trying to keep in the forefront of our mind when we're planning everything for 2020. So that's something that I think is so important. I think that everyone is worthy of wellness. And that's something where, you know, connecting with other people. And it's it's crazy because a lot of events are put on and maybe they're only for influencers or only for people in this space. So that's really why it was so important for us to even have these events in the first place. And now this year too, we're actually doing a video cast. So you can have an all access pass where you get access to every single event. So we're expanding so that we can reach anyone and not just like the big cities that we're in now, which is LA, Boston, Chicago, and New York. So anyone can like tune in and stream and it's $99 for the whole year. And just to put it in perspective, like our events are usually 30 to $50 max to, to get into. And that's always been something really important too, to keep it affordable because I think that there is this like stigma and wellness that you need to be elite to, to like be in this wellness culture. And that's something that we want to break that stigma. We want to make wellness for everyone. And really we think about ourselves as like a platform for people to learn and, and we don't necessarily take a stance like this is right. This is wrong. Like obviously we all have our own wellness journeys between myself, Sarah and Jenna, but we just want to empower women to, to find that. And also I think like you mentioned, like the power of community honestly, between Hello Wellness and my blog and Instagram is like how I met every single one of my friends in LA, like every single one. And everyone there at the events is always just so welcoming. And like, we, we like people to come alone and meet people, especially if you're new in a city or if you are like me where, you know, and I love my, my friends like from college and everything, but we just like, sometimes now we have different interests, you know? So it's, it's really great to also, if you're that person that is seeming like you're getting more into wellness and being more interested in wellness, but maybe those around you aren't like, it's a really great place to meet people that also have same interests as you too. Yeah. We really appreciate that because, you know, part of what we, our, our mission is with courageous wellness is, is accessibility because there is sort of this privilege sometimes that goes along with, um, you know, a portion of the community and, the work that you guys are doing is, is really great. And, and you can have these really fun sort of sometimes luxurious or pampering style events even that are accessible to people. And I'm so excited for this video cast. That's, yeah. that's really awesome. Cause it's just sort of that next phase of accessibility. Um, and that's, 
under $10 a month, right? When you do the math, which is important, I think. So thank you for the work that you guys are doing too. And I should also mention too, that if anyone ever cannot afford to come to an event, like we've had people email us and tell us like, can I have a discount or whatever? And we're like, your ticket's on us. You know what I mean? Like if anyone wants to be there and genuinely like cannot afford it or cannot make it work in the budget like we will get them there so that's something too like yeah. and people can email me directly or dm me if that is the case too. that's yeah that's wonderful thank you and if anybody listening hasn't had the chance to go to an event you know we highly recommend it and they're a lot of fun and we've met great people there too So, you know, we always ask our guests two questions as we start to wrap up and you've kind of answered both of them, but maybe we can go into a little more detail or if there's anything you didn't mention, we can talk about here. But as this busy person and as we're talking about taking care of yourself is so important to be able to take care of everybody else and do everything that you do. So what are some self-care practices for you that are non-negotiable and that you make happen every single week, if not every single day? Um, I would say outside of like the morning routine that I mentioned, I would say daily movement. And the thing is, is that sometimes people get so rigid about that and say like, oh, I can't go to the gym because I can't be there for, I don't have an hour to spare or whatever. I've grown into where I think even if you can do 10 minutes of something, it's like doing something every day consistently and showing up for yourself is so much more important than focusing on like, I need to be at the gym, like for a full hour or whatever that is. And I think that daily thing has really been a huge shift and changer for me um, versus like, you know, maybe it's only three days a week or whatever. It just like, it kind of just ebbs and flows. I'm such a creature of habit. So just having that in my routine every single day is really important. And I usually have that daily movement in the morning. So I think that is really big for me. And then also, um, just talking to family. Like I talked to my mom, like my mom, my mom lives across the country. So that's something that is like a self-care practice for me. Truly. I talk to her every day. So that's definitely something that's important too. And then the next question we ask everybody is, um, is there a book that has been pretty influential to you along your journey? It can be in health and wellness, or it can just be this great book that you read that inspired you. Yeah. So a book, um, can I give more than one? Yeah. (laughs) The Daily Stoic. I mentioned that briefly, but I read that every single morning and it's just such an amazing way to start your day and it gives you a lesson basically of every every single day and it kind of teaches you that like for example yesterday's lesson was that you cannot control the things that happen to you the only thing that you control is how you react to them which with all that I'm going through right now I was like okay you know that was that I needed to hear that Um, another book that I love is obviously the F factor book, but also the ride of lifetime by Bob Iger is amazing. He is the CEO of Disney. Mm -hmm. So that's a really good one. Those are great. And we'll, we'll link those too in the show notes as well. Well, if anybody doesn't follow you (laughs) or wants to find you or have more information on the work that you do, where on the internet can they find you? Everything is purely Pope. So pure L-Y Pope, (laughs) P-O-P-E, like the Pope. So purelypope.com, at purelypope on Instagram, and purelypope on Facebook too. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's been so fun. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. 
subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch through our website, www.courageouswellnesspodcast.com. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.